Welcome to 353rd, a bi-weekly podcast discussing the impact of the Internet on business. Today is Friday, June 21st. This is episode number 55. I am your illustrious host, Anders Brownworth. And I am your first day of summer host, Scott Barstow. Wow. Well done. Well, we're, we are, we are uh, doing the show standing today, yet again, yet again. Yeah. And it, it just—it's starting to feel right. I'm starting to feel like a like a radio DJ. You know, y'all. Every time oh, yeah. they show radio guys, they're, they're always standing, standing. there, yeah. and they're, they have—they have something to that. There's something yeah. there. TV yeah. guys too. Almost always when they show they're TV announcers in the booth, like sports announcers, are almost always standing. I think it's—it's got to be because it keeps you in the game. It keeps you engaged. Yeah, it definitely does. I, I find that uh, as well. And we wanted to today discuss the fledgling post. PC ecosystem. This is an idea that uh, that I was just thinking about. If Apple has kicked off this post-PC universe, there has to be ways that you can live only in the post-PC universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my, in, in my thinking, that means you need to have every analog that you would do on a old school desktop slash laptop you have to be able to do on an iPad or other tablet device. And there 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 is going to be this ecosystem. I, I would say it's certainly not yet there. Uh, and maybe it's understandable why, because back in the day people said, well what is an iPad? Well it's just an oversized iPod touch. That's for right. Example. That's right. Right. So that gets you. So what did you do on the iPod Touch? You know, you listen to music, right? You you maybe you check your mail. It's probably not so great for that. Uh, and and you 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 know you you give one to your your teenage daughter, I guess. Is that's kind of the that that's the demographic? Um, because uh, if you're generally older, you're probably toting an iPhone in that scenario. Right. So and you're carrying uh, you're carrying some kind of uh, notebook PC, yeah, of and some then, kind, right? And then and then you move to a an iPad, okay? And it's not a phone. I mean, so there there are cellular radios, but it's data only. And uh, maybe you can make the argument that Skype or or, or Pinger or whatever else is is going to get you there. And and that's a discussion for a different show. But the the point I think at that time was, hey, this is just an oversized iPod touch i.e. consumption only device that's right and then this critical difference came when we started to think about the iPad as a content creation device and and a good example of that would be like those you know those drum apps that you have a little picture of all the drums you can tap out whatever you want and then guitar apps and smule came along and they did their their you know unusual instrument with the uh, uh, with iOS Mm-hmm. It tends to work better on an iPhone, <laughs> but uh, because I think they came out actually before the iPad did. Uh, but but it's clear to me uh, at this point that there is this emerging, ex- still exceedingly young ecosystem for uh, content creation apps. Yeah, I think you're right, and my my perspective is that you've got the. So here's a couple of things that I think have to be solved. Yeah. Here's, so if you grew up using a you know a notebook computer or a desktop, the thing that I think – there's a few things that I think that structurally cause problems in a tablet world. The first for me is 
the ability to type fast. Right. And the one of the like I will I still will get out my notebook even if I've got an iPad around, but if I need to bang something out that takes a lot of typing, yeah, uh, I'll still get out my notebook because I can go so much faster. Okay, so so what are, what are your quick thoughts on those cases that include a keyboard, a physical keyboard? You know, I'm talking about those iPhone, uh, iPad cases. Yes, yeah. yeah, I sure do. What, what do you think? I think uh, so. When I was at Semantic, there was a there was a manager, uh, the guy that I worked for, or that was at least above me in the uh, supply chain, in the pay the grade, org, yeah, in the org chart. He was a complete buffoon. But he <laughs> the the guy that I worked for traveled. When he traveled, he traveled. He was the first guy I ever saw that traveled with just an iPad. Really. Yeah, so he would he would come into the meeting room. He'd set up his. He had a little uh, the stand that popped up. Oh yeah. He had the stand, the keyboard, and the he, just, he just went 0. to work. Yeah. Wow. And that's what he traveled with. Uh-huh. And he was the first guy that I saw that uh, was similar kind of executive, you know, an executive level guy that's that grew up using all those things you're talking about that had made the switch. And this was three years ago. This was when the first iPad came out. Yeah. Uh, or however long ago that was, but at least three years ago. Yeah, but 2010. The, but the uh, he was really the first guy I ever saw that used it as kind of a pure business content creation thing. So to me, the first kind of the first problem that you have to solve, and some of the like the Windows tablets and that sort of stuff, they uh, they probably I don't know if they do a better job, but they do a job of solving this because they ship with you know more of a keyboard kind of experience, right? And but to me, like, and, and I remember reading when, what's the name, when Facebook went uh, went public, the big deal was that Mark Zuckerberg wrote the, the full S1 on his iPhone. And he yeah. made a point of talking about that, that he had done the entire thing on his <laughs> iPhone. And I thought yeah. that was kind of this really interesting moment and it, where a guy that, you know, that's a big dock to create. Sure. And it had to be just mind-numbingly tedious to do it. Yeah. When you knew that he could have sat at a computer and done it, you know, in probably a tenth of the time. Yeah. Or sat at a at a regular. A, a know, regular a, keyboard is really the yeah, material. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, arguably, you could plug it into an iPhone and yep. be able to blaze through it. But there, there is a, a critical difference though between something sized like an iPod slash iPhone versus something sized more like a laptop, which would be an iPad. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Surface or... Yeah, in, in like the, you could see the entire line rather than kind of either having lines really truncated and short or more likely, uh, you know, scrolling around back and forth. I mean, it's really, when you're on an iPad, you can kind of see the whole thing. So that... Yeah. That maybe that was a critical piece that had to happen. There needed to be a uh, critical point where there was enough real estate that you could actually do content creation relatively uh, uh, fluidly. Now, the the downside that that you're talking about here, it's very interesting, is the physical keyboard is is a lot faster. So so the on-screen keyboard, aside from the fact that it's maybe a little slower to be tapping away, it also removes half of the real estate on the screen. That, to me, is probably the bigger problem because I think you could get fast – 
Like yeah. if you sat there and used and were conscious and trained yourself, I bet you could get pretty fast with, you know, getting your hands where they need to go and adjusting to type yeah. on the touch keyboard. But the, I think that's the biggest problem is that you lose so much screen real estate with that on-screen keyboard. Right. Yeah. So and then, you're like, oh, and stuff scrolls down below the keyboard, and then it's just like, and you don't, you got to constantly scrolling back to see what yeah. you wrote, and yeah, it just seems like a, it's suboptimal still. So then on, so that that's true, but on the opposite side, taking playing that deficiency into a strength, the iPad is now this touch surface. With That's right. whatever you want to put on the screen, you could make a you know any kind of keyboard you wanted, or not a keyboard. In the case of a drum machine, or a or a guitar that you strum, or or any of these other kinds, the the field is wide open. Do whatever mm-hmm. you want, right? So yep. if you take that and uh, you know, and let's think about like a drawing app. Maybe on the right side of the screen, you have a couple of different pen colors and 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 an eraser and you just tap the one you want but the majority the overwhelming majority of the screen is dedicated to the 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 canvas that you use absolutely so i i've seen a couple of upstart projects that go in this direction uh paper um you know lots of lots of these music type apps uh there's there's different takes on on how you balance the you know new capabilities new capabilities that you have with touch and the collaborative sort of always on internet mindset that make these things really kind of interesting but i haven't seen a i mean you also see some stalwarts from the old uh, the old ecosystem kind of making their way over. A good example of that is all the iLife apps. You have pages and you have numbers and Keynote, and they kind of just take what you used to do on your laptop and allow you to then do it on your iPad. Now, the the big difference there and, and kind of, uh, uh, you know, changes, they're not really taking the advantages of the iPad as much as allowing you to open a file that would have worked on the desktop to also work on your iPad. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I think that's important, too, because it's almost like, to your opening point, It's I think the particularly with these business-type apps, whether it's a spreadsheet or a word processor or, you know, whatever, or document creation or whatever those things are, I think that the whole creation environment probably needs a thorough going over right and really wreath okay when like if i'm in a, an excel kind of experience and i and i touch the cell what should i be able to do that would have required three mouse clicks before right or you know would have required me to scroll through a context menu and you know yeah. pop out to another context menu and pop out to another context menu to find the thing i was looking for like mm. what how can you completely rethink the way that a user interacts with that thing. Maybe it's, I have no idea what this would be, but maybe it gives you a completely different experience. That's, that's something that nobody's thought about yet. Yeah. So that's, that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. I, there, there is a, a very interesting company. If you, uh, if you listen to the critical path, uh, the, the other podcast, the critical path, and you listen to Horace talk about, uh, this other company called Pixa that has this app called perspective. And it's, uh, it's very interesting because, 
you could think of it as Keynote for the iPad, except for the fact that it doesn't take any of those legacy things, any of the, well, okay, it's done this way on, on the desktop, so how do we create an analog for the desktop, uh, for the iPad? It doesn't do that. Rather, it says, okay, we have this touch device here and we want to tell a story in some, you know, of something, whatever your content is, and you want to do it, uh, in, in, uh, arena where you have this this touch device in a, uh, you know, in a place where you might want to be able to broadcast it to other people that also have those touch devices. Uh, so, so they came up with this, this product called perspective and, and you do all of the content creation in perspective. As a matter of fact, you cannot go take a PowerPoint doc and, and import it. It's, it's really, you start from scratch on the iPad. You pick your pictures. They come from the net. You mm-hmm. you get all of your data. Let's say you're looking at, a, like, a, for example, Horace uses uh, data having to do with, for example, uh, the growth of the various cell ecosystems, cell phone, you know, smartphone ecosystems, and Android, iOS, uh, Windows Phone, all these different ecosystems, and draws that data into perspective, and then it allows you to uh, create graphs and charts and that kind of thing with the data, but with a very interesting addition. While you're on this iPad and you have touch, you don't just see the entire graph and see that, uh, you know, the rise of, of Apple with the decay of, of Nokia, for example, but rather you, you see that you see only the beginning. You see that Nokia started out way at the top. And then as you drag the reveal bar over, you, this, the data starts to tell this story that, oh, you see Nokia starts diving right when Apple goes up. And for, for example, you know, you see where the inflection point is and then you see how much farther Apple has gotten or whatever the data is. Your story ends up imparting, you know, your, this, this life because of the data as it, yeah. as it reveals. So I think that's, uh, now yeah. you, you could you could do that in in PowerPoint. You could do that in Keynote if you lined up many slides, but it's really tough. Yeah, the thing that I like about perspective, and we got a sneak peek at it, you know, a month or so ago, uh, yeah. before they had the conference in San Francisco, which you attended. But the the thing I like about it is the the one of there's two things I like about it. One is the first thing you, which you've already said, which is that they don't support creation by another means. So they're forcing you in to use this new medium. Yeah. And they're forcing you to rethink the way you think about presentation. So I think that's brilliant. And they don't give you a way to just glom your old crap into a new process. So yeah. it's like start over. Yeah. You know, rethink it, rethink it. That, the second thing is that the I think one of the key things about perspective is that if I'm sitting in the audience I get my own – I'm running my own copy of the presentation on my machine. I'm able to interact with it in, in my own way and go back slides and you know, do my own you – know, move back over the data that you were talking about. And I kind of control my own experience. Yeah. And then I can catch back up to the presenter. Yeah. And it's really brilliant because if you presume that everybody in the audience you – know, instead of sitting and staring at some big screen – and everybody gets bored and everybody goes to sleep. 
<laughs> uh, you know, now I can interact with the presentation while the guy on, you know, while the guy at the front of the meeting is talking about it. I can say, oh, yeah, I wonder what happened. You know, I kind of move back and forth. Oh, what happened in 2009? Oh, there's 2010. And meanwhile, he's off doing – he's gone down the road probably. Yeah. But I'm able to see it and interact. And then it's like, oh, well, let me let me get back to where the presenter is. And I think it's a brilliant way to think about how to use – if you assume everybody in the room has a, has a really easy device to participate with and they don't have to have a notebook – and they don't. Everybody doesn't have to have power, and all of these things that the bigger machines drag with them. Yeah, um, I think it's a. That's the first one I've seen where they've really, really rethought the way you do a presentation. Because even something like Prezi, which was a quantum leap forward over PowerPoint, yeah, is still really just PowerPoint. Yeah, it's still just. It's evolutionary. Yeah, not it's revolutionary, evolutionary, not revolutionary. And I think that's what the cool thing about perspective is that it really is a it's a it's a big turn of the dial. Yeah, one of the other things that's just very visually impressive, and you don't really think about it until you're in a presentation where you have many people and they're all sitting in front of their iPads. When the uh, the person giving the presentation at the front of the room introduces a new slide and you see maybe it's a, a graph and it's got uh, you know a label on the X and a label on the Y and you can't really see that. That's right. You could zoom right in. You can yep. you can look very closely at where exactly those two bars cross or whatever it happens to be. And in fact, the presenter can zoom your iPad for you if you're yep. caught up to the presentation. He's zooming your iPad around and pointing things out and showing you stuff. And it yeah. just – it becomes this much more interactive thing. And, oh, by the way, you don't have to worry about trying to get the projector, you know, VGA connector. And, you know, because – All always, that other crap, yeah. Yeah, they always do that. And then the, you plug in your your uh, your computer and it always runs at like, you know, 640 by 480. <laughs> That's right. Or like it's always – and it never – the slides never fit on the screen because they were made for a rational size monitor, not That's this right. tiny thing. And and it's this fight, and it's just not necessary. No, and don't forget the the other don't forget the other fight, which is uh, I come I come to you know some some uh, conference to do my presentation, and I've done it in PowerPoint, and I go to you know bring it up on the right. host machine at the top at the front of the thing, and I did mine in a newer version. Yeah, and then you, you go know, and all that crap yeah. that you have to deal with, and yeah. and I think the the genius of these devices is that you're going to be able to rethink the way you do many business functions. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think perspective does a great job of that. I think the, what's interesting to me and if anybody pays attention and I know everybody that listens to this show does pay attention to this stuff, but the sales of tablets and iPads in particular, like they're blowing past the era of the PC is in fact over. Yeah. And it is a bygone. Yeah, so we're, we will live through the end of people carrying around, you know, and having a big machine on their desk and all of that sort of thing. The other thing that I'll say, going back to the, the first point I raised about kind of this, this problem that I see with hardware in, the, in this post-PC world, I think the other big one to be solved in a really nice way is use of multiple monitors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you'd be, so it, let's say you solve the keyboard problem and you can do things like we do every day where you have a decent 
editor and you can write software yeah. on which we'll we'll get there soon. Mm-hmm. I'm confident. So if you presume you can do that, one of the best things about uh, the current kind of PC notebook environment is that you can hook you you can hook up multiple monitors. And you're not confined to your 15 inch monitor sure. or whatever. And I think that's another that's another big kind of area to be exploited is how do you make it? You know, if I come into my if I come in and sit down at my desk, can I have a dock like experience? Mm-hmm. Where I, I set this thing into something and I, I, I can hook it up to my, you know, it works with my 30 inch monitor, it works with my keyboard, it works with my mouse. And yeah. so I can still use some of these things that make me really productive. And then I can take that same machine and get on a plane and I'm carrying a device that weighs, what, two pounds, three yeah. pounds instead of, you know, eight or nine. Well, so, so one thought around that would be. If you showed up and uh, regardless of whether this is at your desk or on the coffee table in your in your living room or in a conference room or whatever, you should be able to take over a bunch of iPads or, or tablets in a in a sort of the same way. So so you could extend your experience across a bunch of uh, screens. Mm-hmm. Now, in a sense, perspective is doing that. Right. But only in a sense. It's not like you could uh, part the uh, part the giant image that you want to show across all of the different uh, views and have them all, you know, kind of come together to be one giant monitor. It doesn't right. do that yet, and I don't know how practical that is. But it would be interesting if at your desk you had a bigger display device that was intelligent, just like the iPad that you have in your in your lap is, and then you just say, okay, now start using that too. And now yep. I can throw this video onto that monitor. I can yeah. throw this web page over to that one, whatever. That kind of thing might be interesting. But we're 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 strained dangerously close to where uh, – why wouldn't you just use a laptop for that? Why wouldn't you just – I mean, really, the reason is so that you can uh, have the same data, the same experience when you go off on the airplane. But the the difference to that is like, well, we already have – you know, if everything is in the cloud anyway, and you know, it doesn't matter if you're on a laptop or you're sure. on an iPad. It, now it matters yeah. less. Yeah, and I think the dock experience is not – it's not a physical dock, right? It's going to be right. It's going to be Apple TV kind right. of experience where I'm just saying, oh, there's all of these, this, there's there's this array of hardware in the room, yeah, and I'm just going to pick the things I want to use. Yeah, we have pieces of that already, right? Yep. Like so, yep. if, if you have an Apple TV, you have the display there, and you also have music through that or uh, audio, yeah, exactly, right? And then the, the same would be if you decided to pick that Apple TV as a AirTunes device and and play audio out it that way yeah Yeah. very interesting i think there's there we're in the very very early days and i'm excited to now on purpose look for this ecosystem look Mm -hmm. for the the pieces that kind of coalesce together so we, we talked about uh uh, perspective by Pixa, but what are the what are the ones for you know writing documents or for everything yep. else that you do? And yeah, and it's not going to be Google Docs, not in no. its current iteration because that's sure. just not good enough. Yeah, the experience is not good enough. There's got to be a better. There's got to be better. Yeah, yeah, and and, and maybe there's uh, maybe some pieces of this are really just iterative, but. We, you know, you got to look at perspective. It's really 
such a radical departure because you're sitting in front of a touchscreen, and that was a lot more than you were sitting in front of with a laptop and PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the things that tend to to fall into that category are all these musical instruments, that kind of stuff. Things that multiple touches at the same time, which are a, an effectively an impossibility on the laptop, yeah. uh, become core to what you can do on a on a tablet of uh, you know an iPad caliber. Yeah, um, I think when they can when you can crack the nut of of being able to work in a in a business application productively whether that's uh, you know a spreadsheet application which spreadsheet to me strikes me as a really hard one to solve hmm. um, for you know and and I don't mean solve in an iterative way I mean solve it in a brand new way yeah uh, you know take Excel and make it and make the jump from PowerPoint to per, the equivalent jump that power that perspective is to PowerPoint like what's that jump yeah. for a spreadsheet yeah and uh, and I think so I think that's a big one. And I think the the other one that I think will be really interesting to watch evolve is the ability for to develop software on a tablet. Yeah, and, Devel- you know, be able to write code, write code have for the, same the kind tablet. Of, right. Yeah, not even just for the tablet, but just be able to sit and you know build the apps that we build. Yeah, and and be able to write that and test and do all the things that you can do when you've got more control over the operating system. The thing that we're missing now in an iPad is that you you can't get to the lower levels of the operating system like you can on your notebook. Right. So will they ever expose that or and how will they do it? Will they do it in like a virtual machine kind of environment or well, right, I don't but really but the other thing is like, does it have to be code? Because if you're sitting on an iPad and you have all of these buttons and switches, and you could just drag them to where they should be, and uh, you know the wire up at the end of the day for that is, I mean that's a that's a big sort of iterative process on a Mac with Xcode and the simulator to kind right. of get it sort of where you need it to be, and and then all you're doing is is making these little pieces of code that actually do the logic of your application. I've written a bunch of iOS apps and and the the actual uh, thought logic in there is a very minuscule percentage of the overall code to get the thing out the door. Most yeah. of it has to do with prepping the UI in one way or another. You know, dealing yeah, with so the there UI. will be. I'm sure there will be. Uh, the applications will probably evolve such that you can do what you're talking about. I can say, okay, I need this kind of component, and you kind of drag it onto the palette, yeah. and it it's it creates the code that you need and maybe you tweak it a bit and but yeah. the the process is much more feels much more like a designer than a, right. a text editor. Yeah, it's not going to be code based. It's really yeah. going to be yeah, design tool yeah. focused. Uh, yeah. And it'll be and you could still be writing code but you're writing code just by dragging stuff onto a palette or I don't really know. Yeah. Who knows. Absolutely It'd be fun to uh, to see where it goes. Yep. So that's all the time we've got for this episode of 353rd. Please catch us online. Uh, we are at 353rd.com and Twitter. And we will be back uh, in two weeks, and we'll see you then.